0: Macworld Podcast number 9 September 21 2005 Hello and welcome to another edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host Saru Faravar. Today on the show we're going to be talking with our own Adam Inkst, editor here at Macworld, and his ebook uh, Take Control of Buying Your Mac. We have an excerpt of his ebook in the November issue of MacWorld, and we'll be getting into a in-depth discussion with him about what some of the best strategies are for choosing a Mac that you might want to buy either now or in the future from now, and sort of he's got some interesting uh, opinions on that. But before we get into that, I just wanted to continue something that that we sort of discussed in the special edition of the podcast. We were talking about the new iPod Nano. I was so taken with the iPod Nano when it came out two weeks ago that literally the next day I went into an Apple store, uh, the one nearest me over here in Emeryville across from San Francisco. You know, I asked them if they had them, and they did, and, and I bought it. I bought the 2 gig Black Nano, and I, I have to say it's just a really cool new iPod. I love it. It's, it's, it's super small. I can't even believe how small it is, and I show it off to all my friends, and they say the exact same thing. I actually have a third-generation 10-gig iPod, uh, and I would walk around, you know, with it all the time in my pocket of my pants. And, you know, you can really feel the weight of that thing, but now I walk around with the Nano, like, it's like it's not even there. And it just feels really great. I love how, you know, it has the color screen that my old iPod didn't have, so I can, you know, finally get to see some of the cover art that, that I've been missing out on. And I also love the fact, you know, that because it's flash, I'm not really worried about dropping it, you know, because there's no moving parts. So often when I'm driving, I plug it into my car stereo, and if it bounces around, you know, I don't really have to worry about it that much. Speaking of which, we've got our full reviews up on the Macworld.com website with full reviews of the iPod Nano and the Rocker phone from Motorola. So be sure and check that out. We've had, you know, all our editors sort of play with the, with the various things, and so... We'll have that linked up on the show notes, but, you know, make sure you check those out because we've really got some neat stuff up up in the reviews. Anyway, back to... Um Talking about taking control of buying your Mac, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people out there are sort of wondering when to buy the new Mac, when the right time is, and what kind of thing they should get. You know, if you're a student, you should maybe want to consider this, or if you're a working person, you might want to consider that, or if you're, you know, bouncing around various places, you may want to consider a laptop versus desktop or, or whatever else. But uh, we've got Adam Inkst, who has taken a whole bunch of data. And he's figured out sort of what he thinks to be is the best type of strategy and we've got a very handy guide that you can use in looking both now and looking forward um, to the types of things that you might want to get and the reasons why you might want to get whatever type of Mac you know is best for you. Without any further uh delay, we will jump right into our interview with Adam Inkst who I was talking to from his home in Ithaca, New York. So, Adam, thank you very much for, for being on the Macworld Podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about the excerpt of your book, your ebook, I should say, Take Control of Buying Your Mac, um, which is available from TakeControlBooks.com. We'll have that linked up on the show notes. Tell me a little bit about some of the updates that you included uh, in this month, that, or excuse me, in August, that you didn't have in the previous things and how that sort of changes the Mac buying landscape.
1: Well, honestly, it, it, it actually doesn't change it too much. Uh, the, the, the really big change, of course, um, su- such that it was, was the addition of the Mac Mini to the desktop consumer line, which, you know, again, not a huge change to the book, but certainly for anyone buying a Mac, a significant option to consider at any time. Another thing that I have in the e-book that uh, people have found really quite useful is I track the release dates and sort of the release significance of different models over the last five years. And so you can see just how often it is that Apple releases a a speed bump update versus a major update for any given Mac model. And um, so just getting all of those kind of updated for what's happened in 2005 was nice. So you can, you know keep your data up to date and be able to look a little bit into the future If you can say, well, you know, PowerBook's come out every seven months with a minor update and every two years with a major update, so maybe we're coming up on one soon.
0: Does that, do you find that those patterns sort of hold over the last few years or over the last ten, 10 plus years, ten or so years?
1: Absolutely. It's not so much over the last ten years because things really changed when Steve Jobs came back. Mm-hmm. And so it used to be you could really depend on the January Macworld San Francisco, um, release date, and, you know, July or August for Macworld New York slash Boston. Um, nowadays the Macworld New York Boston just isn't a the date anymore, and you see a lot more releases in September. Um, sometimes they were at Save Bold, sometimes they're at, uh, the, the Paris Apple Expo. um, but, uh, but basically, when Jobs came back, one of the things that he he did is he ensured that Apple maintained more control over their release schedules, so that uh, Apple wasn't being pushed to have a new Mac for every World Expo, when sometimes they just weren't ready. And you saw that whenever they released a new Mac and said, well, an availability will be in two months, and everyone hated that. And it, you know, It destroyed sales for those two months. It was just a bad thing. So... If now, if you look, particularly for, for specific models, you can see that they tend to come out at particular times of year, uh, and and really, this the patterns are there. You know that education Macs are be interested to of interest to students in education tend to show up in April, May before the June June July buying season for education. Um, Power books seem to be released often at, uh, at Macworld Expo in San Francisco in January, that kind of thing.
0: Now, what. I- Sort of the main sort of crux of, of what you were talking about in, in your excerpt, um, which is in this month's issue of, of MacWorld, I should mention. Um, we, I mean, a lot of us, you know, don't really know what kind of you know Mac to get, and 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 sort of, I guess, the real basic sort of question really is, you know, Apple has sort of divided their computer hardware division, I imagine, into two sort of big categories, you know, desktop computers and laptop computers, and sort of how people go about deciding which one is
1: more useful for them and for their environment. Well, that's a good question. Um, To be fair, there are some people who just know that they need a laptop or know that they need a desktop, and it's simply not a question. I would imagine, like, students. Like, I just came out of college, (laughs) you know, like,
0: I I live, you know, on my laptop. I couldn't, I, I go everywhere with it. So I guess that would I would go in that
1: category. And in fact, I just uh, a friend of mine who's a graduate student at Cornell has a uh, a desktop machine that is being a total pain in the butt for her because. She's a student. She's going all over the world. Um, and, uh, you know, not, she can't take her computer. She has to store it. You know, she has to somehow pick it up and go where she goes to the next place. And, you know, so for a student, for instance, that's a perfect example of, you know, someone who, you know, your life is, is in, you know, constantly in flux. Plus, you work in a lot of different places. Plus, frankly, dorm rooms stink in, as far as ergonomics go a lot of the time. So, you know, there's simply nothing good about uh, um, a desktop machine for a student unless you're doing something where huge amounts of screen space is is really important. um, Or, again, you need just the maximum amount of computational power that only a a desktop machine is going to be able to get you.
0: And so I can imagine something like
1: that would be, say, a film student. Film student is definitely one of them, although film students can often get by with one of the more powerful laptops and an external monitor. Mm. Um, one thing I actually recommend in the ebook, although it's, it's not, it didn't make it in the excerpt, um, is I always recommend extra monitors, uh, whether it's a desktop or a laptop. You just, you just improves your work productivity so much to have more screen space.
0: Now, what about when we? So you know, once you've made the decision to sort of figure out what the uh, what, what what's best for you. I mean, how do you? How do you go through that? I mean, we, you know, we talked about how students, you know, they're, they're constantly in the move. But what about somebody who, say, you know, maybe working in one place and maybe they have a desktop there at work that they use, uh, but, you know, but they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily want to be tied somewhere in their house to use their mm-hmm. computer at home. What are sort of the, the things that people should take into consideration in that regard?
1: Well, we have in the excerpt, um, and, and obviously in the e-book, a book uh, sort of a worksheet that helps people choose between a desktop and a laptop, and what it, it basically does is, um, there's two columns of questions, um, such as, you know, is your life relatively fixed, such that you aren't likely to move frequently, do you know, do you envision moving multiple times in the next few years, um, you know, do you prefer a full desktop keyboard um, versus the laptop keyboard, some people hate the laptop keyboards, other people love them. Um, you know, the one thing, another thing that people tend not to think about is desktop machines tend to remain useful from a longer period of time. Um, they tend to break less, you know, that, uh, so if you're one of those people who is, you know, careful, a laptop isn't as big a deal. But, you know, if you're one of those people who's constantly dropping things and breaking things and losing things, you know, that kind of pushes you over into the desktop category a little bit more. So basically, you know, in the excerpt, we go through this worksheet of asking these questions, and then you sort of add add up your points. And it's not a hard and fast thing, but I think it will give you a sense of, oh, yeah, I'm really more of a desktop person or I'm more of a laptop person. And particularly when you take into account, you know, what other computers you may have around. You know, again, if you you have a desktop machine at work... um, you know, maybe you don't need a desktop machine at home. That a laptop makes a lot more sense for sort of additional flexibility.
0: Yeah, and I imagine also. I mean, you were talking about uh, you know having a desktops having a longer life. I imagine that some people you know extend the life of their desktops by expanding them. Obviously, you know, a, a G5 tower is a heck of a lot more upgradable than say an iBook.
1: Right, and um, you're, you're certainly anytime you get into that um, that sort of thing you are faced with the fact that Apple is constantly releasing new computers and so I think that you have to also think a little bit about your likely budget you know two to five years down the line that if you're the you know, if you're the sort of person who, Honestly, has money to burn. Yep, you know, maybe you're. You don't really care because you're going to be buying the latest and greatest every two years. On the other hand, if money is tight, then I think it makes more sense to look for a machine that you can keep upgrading in small ways to keep it as powerful as possible for as long as possible.
0: So, what are some of the ways that people can do that? I mean, something that jumps up, jumps to mind obviously is you know adding a new hard drive or maybe upgrading the processor, adding more RAM. But what are what are sort of some of the things that that are sort of simple and easy that, that people can do to extend the life of their desktops.
1: Well, honestly, you you pretty much hit it there. That <laughs> um, you know the I mean RAM is always good. Mac OS ten eats RAM for lunch. Uh, I never recommend less than five twelve meg, and at this point, um, going to a gigabyte is not a problem. Uh, you know, it doesn't cost much; it's well worth it. Similarly, hard disk space. If you are doing video or anything that that is going to be using a lot of it, you can almost never have a, you know too much hard disk space for, for video projects. And it's so cheap now. I you know, I I use uh, external hard drives as, as my backup medium buying bare drives and my, my rule is I buy a new one when the next you know sort of uh, size comes down to hundred bucks and you can now get you know two hundred and fifty or three hundred gigabyte bare drives for under hundred bucks. So it's just nuts. Those are external drives? Those are, those are the bare drives, so you actually need to put it into a case. But mm-hmm. ca- you know, once you bought a case, you can keep popping different drives into it, or you can get... Uh, I use, for instance, a Granite Digital Fireware Drive Bay, so I can buy little trays um, and then swap bare drives in and out of them.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the, what's, what's the uh, situation of, of putting in a new internal drive versus, say, getting an external drive and putting into a case versus buying sort of a
1: prefabricated external case? Well, it all depends on what you're trying to do. If you're simply attempting to expand your st- internal storage space and buying the bare drive and putting it internal, which there's, assuming you have a power Mac, frankly, because it's not going to happen in any other computer, right. uh, will give you a lot more space. Um, you can You can either replace your internal drive or you can just have it as an additional drive. And... That's a a great way of doing things. However, it should be understood that that's really good for extra space and for scratch space and things like that. It should not be considered to be a particularly good backup media uh, because all it takes is a thief to take your machine and you've lost your original and your backup. Um, So it's always a good idea to separate backups. So if you're looking for a backup drive, I always recommend external. Now, in terms of whether or not it makes sense to buy... Uh, you know, a prefabricated drive in a case and all that. That's certainly the easiest and the cleanest method. You'll find you pay uh, somewhere between probably $100 and $150 for the case and the power supply and all of that. And so a lot of people like to reuse that investment in some ways by buying these bare drives and popping them into external cases. And, 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 that way, you know, you can use OneDrive for a while. If, say, it's a backup drive, then take it out of its case, put it on your shelf or, you know, in your safe deposit box or whatever, and put another one in that case and use that one.
0: All right, well, let's switch gears just a little bit and, and move over to the sort of, you know, laptops. Why would I want to buy an iBook versus a PowerBook or a PowerBook versus
1: an iBook? Well... Those questions are actually are a little harder than on the on the, the desktop side because on the desktop side, you know, a Power Mac is a big honking tower versus the you know the industrial design of the iMac or the cheapness of the eMac or the Mac you know, the smallness and cheapness of the Mac Mini. Um, once you get to the laptop line, they all kind of look the same, more or less. And so, you know, what it comes down to is that the iBooks are going to be cheaper. Um, have less expandability, a little bit less performance, um, and less flexibility than the Powerbooks. So, uh, for instance, you know, the... the for a 12-inch screen model, the iBook is going to be a little larger and heavier than, than the 12-inch PowerBook. Uh, the, they won't be able to take as much RAM. You won't be able, they don't, None of the iBooks can take PC cards, um, which the 15- and 17-inch models of the PowerBook can. The CPU speed and cache size and bus speed will never be as high on an iBook as they are on the comparable PowerBook of the same generation. And um, and for instance, without additional software, when you hook up an external monitor to an iBook, it always works in screen mirroring mode. Whereas the PowerBooks allow you to use extended desktop mode as well. So you basically just get two monitors that show you different things. And uh, on the on the PowerBooks, so it's you know it's it's a little harder to make a decision there. Honestly, I think that cost is is probably the really big one.
0: Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I imagine probably the vast majority of people out there are using their Macs, uh, you know, be it laptop or desktop, just for sort of ordinary uh, things like, you know, using basic applications, Microsoft Word, Excel, and those kinds of things, email and and web, of course. But for those kinds of things, I can't imagine that there would be a compelling, you know, assuming that you're doing nothing fancy, you don't really care about video mirroring or any of that kind of thing, that, you know, there's no real compelling reason why
1: you would want to buy a PowerBook, or is there? Well, it depends a little also on... How, uh, not so much just exactly what you do, but how you conceive of the Mac. So, for instance, if a laptop is your primary computer, I tend to recommend that people go for the the PowerBook, and actually particularly the larger PowerBooks, purely on the monitor size. Um, that, that monitor size just helps so much. And whereas if you have a desktop computer as well, and you're using the laptop more for flexibility around the house or to take to the library or because you travel on business a lot, then I actually strongly recommend that people look either at the 12-inch iBook or the 12-inch PowerBook, basing the decision mostly on cost and or if there's you know, some special feature of the PowerBook that would make it particularly more interesting. So, so that's how I look at it. Is, you know, is, is it more that, that you're... Is it a primary Mac or kind of a traveling Mac? And then to, you know, to differentiate based on that.
0: Great. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to speak
1: with us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, keep us posted if you have any updates to to your ebook. Yeah, I'll, I'm I'm actually uh, working on one uh, fairly soon. Once I free up a little spare time. Now that Apple has the uh, the Migration Assistant, when you buy a new Mac, they make it really easy to update. Uh, you know, to move all your stuff over from your old Mac. That's something I wanna I wanna add to the book, um, both to talk about that a little bit, not but it requires that much help because, obviously, it does a good job. But, um, but also just to start looking at, well, gee, what if you aren't you know, upgrading from a Mac that you can use the migration assistant with? You know, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of people who buy a new computer and then sort of you know, sitting there looking at these two computers going, okay, now how do I move everything over? <laughs> so, you know, I've got an older, older older laptop without FireWire or whatnot. It gets significantly more difficult.
0: Right. I can imagine, I can imagine that there would be a lot of people who would appreciate that. Well, we look forward to to hearing more from you um, uh, in any future updates. And uh, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay. Actually, you know, I had to go through the same sort of thing not too long ago uh, for myself when I was picking... And I had to decide... I ultimately decided that, first of all, I wanted a laptop. And after using a PowerBook for about a year, I sort of decided that it really wasn't worth my while, um, given that I wasn't doing any kind of, you know, high-end things where I needed the extra processing power. So what I did is, uh, you know, just sold it and then upgraded to a bigger screen for, like, $100. Um, I sold the PowerBook on Craigslist and then just bought bought a new iBook. Anyway... So be sure and check us out uh, in early October for our program on blogging tools. And we'll be talking with our own Dory Smith, who's a frequent contributor to Macworld. She wrote an article about blogging tools for the Mac in the November issue. So be sure and check out all of the new iPod Nano reviews and analysis at macworld.com and also playlistmag.com. Once again, from San Francisco, this is Sarus Varavar for the Macworld Podcast. Bye.